Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the 169th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I'm your host, Aiden. Um, still got everybody with me this week, Lucas, Bart, Wyatt, and Jared. Um, per usual, we're going to start with some news we missed, uh, particularly some NBA news. To start, we had the All-Star um, game and All-Star weekend just happened. Um, the dunk contest apparently was quite good. I did not really watch it, but Mac McClung, who was literally signed to the Sixers four days ago, um, dominated, it would seem. Um, yeah. I think Jared and Wyatt, mm-hmm. you eyewitness or yeah, you, you, you were you there. watched the highlights yeah, at no, least. Yeah, the exactly. He jumped over. You, you were the guy who jumped Utah. over. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You too. Yeah. It was Jared and Wyatt just stacked on top of each other. Anyway. No, I'd never I mean, go yeah, to he had a, he... I've been there. I've been, I've, I've walked been around it. the stadium. I haven't I been would, in there. I would never spend an extensive amount of time in Utah. No offense. <laughs> That's not bad. His, his, uh, his first dunk though, where he did the, he jumped over the guy did like a he touched the backboard and did a reverse. He also had a spin in there too, right, Wyatt? Not in that same dunk, I don't think, right? Oh, yeah. no, he, he did a he did a five forty though at one point. He yeah. did, yeah, that's he did he another five forty at some point. Inflating those two. He did like a hezzy and he did another he did another dunk that was really cool. I you know what I like mm-hmm. and you don't get docked points for it, but I like when they do it on the first try. And his yeah, were complicated yeah. and he yeah. showed a lot of ability and he just did it on the first try. That's what I want to see. Whenever it happens and they do like a gimmick and then he misses and you got to give him like two more tries for it, it's always like, ah, I kind of understand what you're going to do. So it's not as cool when you actually do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <clears throat> it kills the vibe. Like, really. Kills the vibe. So, yeah, he was spectacular. Um, it's a shame that he was a G Leaguer. So, like, nobody really knows who he is. Yeah. Um, but winning mm-hmm. it at 12 years uh-huh. old is impressive, um, nonetheless. <laughs> 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 Uh, um i saw something too that after the um so after the phillies lost the world series philadelphia had a a triumphant moment in that guy that ate a rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days i don't know if anybody else saw it was a big thing at least locally um (laughs) it was mac (laughs) (laughs) no it was a triumphant moment it was right after the phillies lost the world series and this man ate a chicken and a, a whole rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days and then he went out on like some pier and like like hundreds of people gathered to watch him eat his 40th rotisserie chicken. What? Oh and after and after the the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, Philadelphia got Mac McClung. So, it is a, <laughs> okay. a, a small <laughs> I was waiting for it to all kind of time else. together. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. Just, it's about the little wins. The problem anyway, Jerico Sims was probably one of the worst contestants I've seen in a while. Because uh, he just he did the same dunk twice and he pulled himself up mm. on one of them, so it's just kind of like ah mm. uh, you know, I know that Mac McClellan or he's he saved the dunk contest, but it also was like almost ruined in the same in the same night. 
<laughs> with two really on, bad dogs. Well, mm-hmm. On the one when he pulled himself up, it was like crickets, right? Like it was. Yeah, it was, there's a wow. video. That's the dunk. There's a video from the nosebleeds where nobody moves. He does the dunk, and everyone just kind of sits there and watches. And he pulls out, and it's a 50. Sorry, last thing about the dunk contest. Can we? Mm-hmm. Can some dunks be a thirty-five? Is everything a forty-seven and Agreed. up? Like, yeah. How does Nate do? Like a, he does yeah. like a backflip, three-sixty dunk, and then they give him a fifty, and then the dude pulls himself up from the net, and it's like a forty-seven. Come, I mean, can they, can we just say that it was a bad dunk? Can they yeah. boo him or something? Like I know that that's just like be honest. Don't be so disingenuous about the All Star Weekend. And. I have so many, so many thoughts. Also, can Kenny not <laughs> say it, yeah. that's a fifty? It's over all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know that he wants to be a part Going of the on. highlight, but like, dude, just it's not, it's not that cool. Sorry. <laughs> Everything is relative. Yeah, they can, they can't all be fifties. Um, but also in the All Star Weekend, Jason Tatum won All Star Game MVP, scored fifty five points, which is a new record. Um, I think. In total, what was the the winning team score? Was it they had like 190 points or something ridiculous uh, like that? Okay, so 180 <laughs> something. I think something 80. Okay. Yeah, hold on, I, I got it. 184 to 175. Okay, okay. just a thriller. Some, some lockdown defense, yeah, going on there. Yeah, I mean, there were people after the game, literally like players and coaches, complaining about how it wasn't basketball. Like this is the bottom <laughs> of the barrel for All Star Game quality, and it, not that it's ever been great. Yeah, one on one tournament. That's the Honestly, it would watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two players who are beefing one on one. It would be so much fun. I would watch, fun. but nobody other than Dame and Embiid would it, and Giannis would participate. Everybody else would be like, no. Those are the only three people that I feel like would do it. I think Luca would Dame do versus it. Giannis. Luca, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He's not like that big of a gamer. He doesn't Luka. play defense. Neither is Dame, but Dame would still do it. Luca. Because he's a gamer. <laughs> yeah, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. <laughs> That's all we ever hear. <laughs> yeah, moving on from the All Star Game, uh, we got someone who is not at the All Star Game. Russell Westbrook is going to the Clippers. How much does this uh, change things for the Clippers? Not, not at all. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, and our last NBA news we missed. Um, this is. Justin, hot off the presses. Nate McMillan was just fired as Hawks head coach. Uh, they're currently twenty nine and thirty. Um, I don't know. Was this talked about or this was expected? I don't like. It's kind of a surprise to me. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Seems I'm not following the Hawks too closely this year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Usually they're like they've just like under. Yeah, I feel like they've just underperformed since they made the Eastern Conference Finals in twenty twenty one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, but- and it's just kind of been like. A not fun fall from grace. Yeah. Also, after the, I thought you were going to say after the trade for Dejounte Murray, they that I as well. This season specifically was really underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving into our first segment, um, inspired by everyone's favorite player, Kyrie Irving. Um, we're doing what would Kyrie do, NFL edition. Um, so we're going to see. We're each going to pick an NFL player who we feel like is wasted on their current team and should force their way out. Kyrie style. Uh, so, Jared, we're going to start with you. Who's your player? I'm, I'm going with what I think is a splashy pick and that pretty much nobody's mentioning it, right now, mentioning it right now, but I think it's Justin Jefferson. Still super young. He is about to reset the wide receiver market this offseason and become the high, probably become the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league. 
Um, and even then, after that, like the Vikings are in a terrible uh, cap space situation now, but they can still structure his contract where like it'll kick in later or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're only tied to Kirk Cousins through this season, but still. After all of that happens, you still need to come in and get your next quarterback. If it's Kirk Cousins, you're not winning a Super Bowl there. I'm sorry. Even then, you're gonna have to get a new quarterback in. You're gonna have to you have to rebuild that entire defense still too, as well. I don't think you're winning a championship in Minnesota anytime soon. So you got you got to force your way out. Or if you're worried about Minnesota not paying that contract, that's really the reason that wide receivers have been leaving is just to make more money. Basically, like AJ Brown, if that was the situation, immediately signed a deal with the Eagles. Tyreek Hill obviously wanted to make $25 million. He ended up getting more with Miami. Um, so that's why he got traded. Like the, the whole like legacy thing, it's not about really championship. Not that they don't want to win, but it's like they're not forcing their way out to win championships in the NFL. That's that's an NBA thing, basically. So I think if anything, it would be money. But Justin Jefferson, I'm sure, wants to win a championship. I'm trying to force my way out somewhere maybe. This team also does not have a good cap space, but I would love to see this. The Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Jefferson, I think would be super mm-hmm. exciting. Bengals would be cool too, but probably just impossible with all the other guys that they're going to have to pay and extending uh, Joe Burrow. They do have a lot of cap space right now, but I'm sure that's going to go to Joe Burrow for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think Justin Jefferson, if he wants to win a championship, he needs to leave. Sorry, Bart. Bart, cool. yeah, feelings on that? Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> they have so, so much. The Vikings just have a lot of work they need to do. They got to rebuild that defense. They got to figure out what they want to do with Kirk Cousins again. And even if they bring him back, like they're not winning a championship. Let's be honest. Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> when Kirk's got all that ice on next February after their Super Bowl, Jared, you're going to be the you're first be person down, that he dude. politely, you know, disses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bart, you're up next. I'm assuming you're not picking Justin Jefferson. No, but I am picking another Justin, uh, the Justin who stole Rookie of the Year from Justin Jefferson, and that's Justin <laughs> yeah. Herbert. This is not one like what Jared was just saying, which is news to people. People have been talking about Justin Herbert being wasted on the Chargers for a while now, um, but I just want to dig into it a little bit. He's clearly a top-tier quarterback. I don't even think I need to cite the stats for that. You can argue that he's like a volume guy, and maybe he's not like top five or whatever, but he's clearly he's up there. Um, and yet, what have they done with him? I feel like the partnership with Brandon Staley is just not fated to work. You know, and obviously they, they, hired, um, they hired Kellen Moore after firing Joe Lombardi, so maybe I'm going to be eating my words in a few months. But uh, it, like for now, it still just seems like Justin Herbert could do better. That 27-point blown lead in the playoffs – that's on Staley. <laughs> the fact that Justin Herbert was like third lowest in the league this year in air yards per attempt, despite his strongest asset being his strength, like arm strength, that's on the coaching. That's play calling, a.k.a. Brandon Staley. Um, and again, like Kellen Moore might change that, but whatever. Even beyond the coaching, though, I think the organization just feels kind of like doomed with the Spanos ownership. This is the same franchise that squandered Drew Brees and squandered Philip Rivers. Justin Herbert's in line to be the next guy. You can even go back further and look at Dan Fouts. <laughs> They've never had success with a good quarterback, basically. <laughs> um, and then their GM has been there for 10 years, even though he's, he's gotten them to the playoffs three times. Technically twice, because the first time was his first season, so he inherited that roster. I think Justin Herbert <laughs> would do well to go to a team uh, that builds 
better around him that coaches more in his favor and isn't in the AFC, most importantly, because with Mahomes, mm-hmm. we talked about this, Mahomes, Allen, Joe Burrow there, he should go to the NFC where it's much more wide open. Okay, Wyatt, up next, who you got? I'm also going with a Justin. Justin Tucker. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a wild card, and I'm actually changing my answer here live. I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. Jared inspired me when he said Justin oh Jefferson. Um, oh, my gosh. Because I was thinking, of, oh, you know, there's another talented young guy who uh, will never win a championship. I think the Cowboys are too quirky for me right now. Um, you know, how I don't already like the Mike McCarthy fi- hiring. They fired Kellen Moore. I feel like they're kind of out on deck. There's a report that the Cowboys are intrigued by CJ Stroud. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. They feel extremely quirky and they've lost their direction. I also saw another report that Zeke is on the chopping block unless he agrees to restructure his contract to $10 million. Oh, and also they're going to tag Tony Pollard. So they have two running backs worth $10 million on their roster. They have a glaring hole at wide receiver too. Um, they probably need to add another corner. And it's just like, it's just too quirky. And there's an expectation that Dan Quinn may or may not go somewhere else. He keeps leaving and coming back, uh, technically. So I don't know. I just don't. I don't like what the Cowboys do. I think they're a little too eccentric. I think they're a little too brand focused. I think they're a little too uh, me uh, or, or they're me guys pretty much <laughs> because they make a lot of the wrong moves. And if Micah Parsons doesn't get his way out soon, he's going to be the best to never do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's wow. actually fair. Just, yeah. To be honest. Any position? Or... <laughs> I mean, dude, he's a, he's a, free, he's a the superstar. Best ne- <laughs> the best to never do it, and we're not defining it. We're just, yeah. The it. best to never and do the it. Best I mean, we what? know what it is. Tim? We don't even need to define it. <laughs> he's got that it factor. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Lucas, who you've got? I make a, I think this is a slightly less controversial pick. Uh, is Terry McLaurin? Um, and there is no doubt in my mind that Terry McLaurin is another one of those great Ohio State receivers who's been produced in the last few years, but who is being absolutely wasted on an NFL uh, roster at this point, and a victim of the Washington Commanders' overall dysfunction. McLaurin, I think, is undoubtedly a dominant receiver who's gotten better pretty much every single year of his career. His receiving numbers per year, upward trend, similar catch percentage to Jamar Chase. He's top 10 in both receiving yards and yards per catch this past season. Yet despite that, he is withering away on the commanders, largely due to their inability to acquire a good quarterback who can get him the ball in the way that he needs. No offense to Heineke or Wentz or any other quarterback who's thrown him the ball, but they're all bottom half NFL quarterbacks and are allowing one of the most talented wide receivers in the league to basically waste away and for that reason alone i think his talent is being wasted and he should at least explore forcing his way out i may, might give it one more year um because eric the enemy coming in maybe you know maybe it changes some things uh but i don't have a lot of faith in that happening given the quality of quarterback play for washington so i'm going with terry mclaurin as the next big guy who should force his way out hmm. Lucas, Kyrie would never give it a year 
Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> so it's not totally what I was going to say. What is exploring forcing? What, like, it seems like you have to either go all in or all out. You know. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Said, I don't want to be traded, but if oh, I were, yeah, here are the teams I want to go to. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's, that's it. it yeah. Well, I mean, I think he should get he should get the vibes of how enemy is there first, and if the vibes are bad, then you force your way out. Let's say you explore it. The agent just leaks stuff. The agents just like leak stuff all of a sudden, like. Terry yeah. McLaurin's unhappy, and what, that's that's what they do. They kind of put out the feelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, I'm up last, and I'm also, t- you know, I have a pretty uncontroversial one, relatively. It's along the lines of Lucas's. Um, Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. It's coming off of a pretty disappointing season. You know, 86 catches for 882 yards, zero TDs, um, a significant drop in production from the year before when he made the Pro Bowl. That eight TDs. Um, what's a bit interesting is that ESPN introduced some new like receiver tracking metrics this year, and they analyze oh. every route receiver runs, even those where they aren't actually thrown to. And there's a pretty intense article about how these metrics work, but like at its base, they score receivers based on how open they get, how good they are at actually making the catch, and then how good they are at generating yards after the catch. Um, so when they're looking at how good a receiver is at getting open, they would... For every route, look at the likelihood that a receiver would have been able to make the catch if he was targeted based on the receiver's position and on the field, his speed, direction, um, and that of defenders around him at the moment, like right before the quarterback released the ball. Um, So it's trying to like isolate receiver skill from how good their QB is. Um, And the top five receivers overall this year were A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, former Viking Justin Jefferson, (laughs) Tyler Lockett. Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. and Deontay Johnson. Um, and, you know, these rankings should not be taken as gospel. Um, they're another one of those, like, kind of, it's a little hand wavy. Um, and, <laughs> you know, what he scored really highly on was getting open. And I read that he runs, like, a lot of kind of short routes where he's coming back to the ball. And so it's, you know, easier to get open. He's also had, like, drop problems before. Um, plus, there are some other kind of weird quirks with the list. Like, Jamar Chase is the third Bengals receiver on the list. He's in the top 20, but he's behind T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, but in general, the list is kind of a who's who of top receivers, you know, without actually looking at traditional receiver metrics. So it makes you wonder if Deontay Johnson is being a bit wasted right now. He spent four years with the Steelers. His QBs have been Big Ben, late career Big Ben, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. You know, the Steelers threw 12 passing touchdowns last year, which was easily the lowest in the NFL. Um, Kenny Pickett was throwing like 108 yards a game, so... Deontay's under contract through 2024, but I think right now he should be uh, have, having his agent leak a little bit to the to the press, to the athletic, to the you know to ESPN, what have you, and uh, get out of there. Gosh, what is that stat? That's like a Jokic type stat right there. Like what? Is, what is that? Ra- <laughs> Raptor or whatever that NBA Pythagorean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's kind of there's a the formula has a lot of squares in it, a lot of you know. Okay. <laughs> um, but if, if you don't have a math degree, I really I'm not going to try to explain it to you, Jared. Um, anyway. Yeah, I didn't even take I didn't even take math really. No, I took one math class in college. And it, it is my sports worst math, grade too. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, sports math. <laughs> Okay, before we move on to our second segment of the episode, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Lunchpail Guys podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. 
It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on an NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign with code TPPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TPPN. Okay, for our second and final segment today, um, we're going to be talking about some uh, sports docu-series. We're going to do our own little version of Shark Tank here. Um, so we've seen you know, shows like Drive to Survive on Netflix about F1 and Breakpoint, which recently came out on about tennis, full swing on golf. Um, all these kind of like sports docu-series where they kind of hone in on a couple different athletes in the sport each episode, um, spotlight them. We've seen the success of them. And we're now going to act as Netflix producers and try to each pitch our own kind of um, sports docu-series to them, um, which, you know, maybe we won't be able to watch because we lost our Netflix password or, we're, you know, we've been locked out by their new rules. But we're still going <laughs> to at least try to pitch it. Um, we're going to start with Lucas. What is your show? Well, I want to start with, didn't Netflix roll they back did. that thing after, like, a, so much public outcry? I thought it was so, still happening. Yeah, didn't they un- unroll it? Wait. Unroll but they out. did oh, yeah they I totally had a thing where it was point. like they released it and they were like sorry that was a mistake <laughs> like, a day say, like we tweeted that in error yeah, we did exactly. not actually mean that <laughs> in any case i'll st- i'll start you with the name of a game that is played in this league and they call it the richest game in sports there are two teams playing for a spot in the premier league as of 2019 the winner of this game automatically receives 170 million pounds in tv and other revenues that become part of the premier league and i think it would be the perfect conclusion to my new series that i am pitching about the second division of english soccer called the efl championship we've already seen the success of lower level soccer documentaries we had welcome to Wrexham, which came out this past year that's about a fifth division team so i don't know if the fifth division can do well we can make the second do well i realize there's the star power there ryan reynolds rob McEnany, all of them but still um but in the english second division you have all the best possible characters you have old giants who are who have fallen out of the top flight of english soccer and are trying to reclaim their glory people like blackburn rovers who won the premier league back in 1995 and have since middled in mediocrity um since that point you have the yo-yo clubs um teams like watford and norwich whose entire existence is like sisyphus and greek mythology getting to the premier league and immediately falling back down only to push themselves back up to the premier league and fall back down again you have teams that are stuck in the division forever teams like millwall and preston and reading preston actually won the first ever english league title back in like the 1860s but for the last however many years have been just stuck in the second division and trying to finally push their way out and then you have up-and-comers like luton town who was recently in 2014 was in the fifth tier and now is in in a playoff position to make it back into the premier league um it's called the most unpredictable league in the world because every year teams rocket up or immediately fall back down a few years back 
Uh, Sunderland was relegated from the Premier League and then was immediately relegated to the third division too. You have crazy stories like that. Um, the players are a fascinating mix of guys who are maybe not quite good enough for the top, up-and-coming players and players who are past their prime. Plus, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, the ending is as good as it gets. The first and second place teams in the league automatically go to the Premier League, but teams three through six have a four-team playoff to make it into the Premier League at the end, with, again, the winner of that playoff immediately getting £170 million because of all the TV money that comes with being a part of the Premier League. It is, again, called the richest game in sports. I think it would be the perfect conclusion to a season, and for that reason, I think the next Netflix documentary series should be on the EFL Championship, the second division of English soccer. Nice. That's a good yeah. pitch. Have you seen, Lucas, have you that. seen... Have you seen Class of 92 out of their leagues? I have not. should watch that. It's about fourth division English soccer. Um, but I remember watching They've that. They've done everything but second. <laughs> the second division. <laughs> yeah. That one was really good. Um, it's about like the Class of 92 Manchester City or United team. I can't remember which one. There's a bunch of good players on that team apparently. I think United. Yeah. Okay. And then they like go and coach this team or something. I don't even exactly remember, but it was very entertaining. Really good characters and stuff. Yeah. Like narratives, mm. I should say, not characters. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Also, that was probably the first mention of Sisyphus on our podcast. The first of many. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Scratch it off your bingo I thought card. it was appropriate. <laughs> yeah, drinking game. <laughs> it's an apt analogy. You just no, that's, push yourself up to the Premier League and then you immediately crash back down I the like next year only to just do it over and over again. I think in the last like 10 years, Norwich City has been relegated like and promoted like six different times. <laughs> or five different times. Like They've literally like every year just gone up and down and up and down and up and down. Crazy. I definitely to just agreed that it was a good analogy, and I had never heard of that before you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Greek myth, it's a guy, He his whole life task is to push a stone to the top of the mountain, but the second it gets to the top of the mountain, it immediately falls back down, and he has to push it back up again. Yikes. So, yeah, our podcast has got... I don't know what he did to deserve yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But... We've got plenty of Greek references with our Pythagorean stacks. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The bigger... Well, animal. apparently, Maybe according no to my quick, <laughs> my quick Google, is that he was infamous for general trickery. So <laughs> oh, that was... That's what I want to be infamous for. <laughs> general trickery. You couldn't box them in. It wasn't just one guy. <laughs> Okay, Wyatt, what's your show pitch? Well, to start off, we I had to go and look at the other Netflix series, and I was I was doing some. There's the Full Swing, the golf series. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. um, the Drive to Survive, the F1 series, and then there's the tennis series that is escaping my head right now. Um, but for the most part, they are they are um, following single athletes. Basically, we're, we're, mm-hmm. you have to perform mm-hmm. within yourself. And although F1 has a whole team that makes things go, of course, the driver is just a single driver. There's nobody in the, in the back of the car with them, uh, no sidecar, no nothing like that. So I went with a, a sport that's similar and a sport that I love as a track and field. So you can do college or you can do the Olympics. The Olympics provides its own interesting challenges because it is not all the time, but you could follow the athletes through other competitions. Um, it is an individual sport. Like I said, there's a lot of highs and lows, and there are many different athletes from different backgrounds. I think track and field athletes are kind of the forget forgotten 
athlete in the sense that they they are peak physical condition. They are the highest that you can probably get in most categories between a high jumper or anybody who does a throwing competition or especially a sprinter who is just like it, it is not a light feat to go out there and be one of those athletes. So you see them win a lot. You see them lose a lot. You see guys who would come in second place a lot to somebody like um, Usain Bolt. And right now mm-hmm. the U.S. has two young players or two young track athletes who are uh, up-and-comers as well as Canada. So, I mean, I, I think that there are some unknown guys. We I don't know if you can name many uh, track athletes outside of Usain Bolt. Um, so they, they provide some interesting perspective on the game of track and field. Yeah, I can already see yeah. like the storylines around like false like guy the biggest race of his life false started was disqualified you know the drama around <laughs> that yeah you got all the doping drama you know, there's there's oh man. yeah plenty to be had anyway oh speaking of doping stuff on Netflix there's one called Icarus I yep. think mm-hmm. anybody has seen that yeah super interesting Icarus yeah, also <laughs> another also another Greek myth and that was not intentional Someone stop this but... man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, up next, I realized on the outline I wrote Bard for this, um, but Bart, (laughs) I believe is the correct pronunciation. Uh, Bart is our bard. Wizardly response. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a Greek myth. <laughs> yeah, everybody has to in some way incorporate a Greek myth. Into that. Okay, two for two. That was the theme again. It was like the A plus, the F through A plus. You have to read the instructions. That was in the instructions. And Lucas read them this time. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm not sure how I'll do that. Anyway, my answer. <laughs> I'm pitching the Indian Premier League. That's the IPL for the people who are in the know, uh, and for the people who aren't in the know, I'm talking about cricket. I was not aware of this. I was doing some research. Maybe you guys already knew this. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world. Cricket is number two. 2.5 billion fans worldwide. So that's kind of where I'm coming from here. I think it makes too much sense to have a show about cricket in some form. You've got built-in appeal already. It's like it's famous in so much of Asia, in Australia, New Zealand, in the UK where it, of course, originated, so on and so forth. It's not popular in North America, but I'll get back to that. Um, the IPL specifically is probably the most popular T20 league in the world, uh, and it's considered the best like non-international league. T20 is like a sub-form of cricket. Every good player in India is famous, so you've kind of got that like athlete, individual athlete appeal. Um, and it also seems fun to follow because of the parody. I looked at the standing results. The, the winner who had won two straight years two years ago finished fifth and then tenth. Last year's winner finished ninth this year. This year's winner was a team that was in its first inaugural season, implying you can have more than one inaugural season. I don't know why I said it that way. (laughs) Um, I will say, tying back to the international thing, people seem to say that international cricket is like what people really care about, but I think it'd be really hard to do a show that follows international teams and players with how weird the scheduling would be and, of course, like having to be in so many Mm -hmm. different places. Um, but yeah, my last reason is that because it's not popular in North America, it'd be cool as well because I have long felt that like cricket has an opening to have more appeal in the States. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's kind of similar to baseball, which is America's pastime, so that's one thing. Um, but so you, you kind of have the appeal of you have lots of fans in other places, but you can also try to get people in the States to be more interested. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So I think having a show yeah. about IPL would be quite fun. I, of course, know so much about cricket. I know what wickets and bowlers are. I could tell you all about those things. Mm-hmm. Literally just looked up two yeah. things. But I would be one of the tell people us. watching to learn. I think it would be a fun sport yeah. to follow. 
Yeah, I agree. That's kind of how I felt yeah. about the... Yeah, no, gotcha. That's it. No, I was just going to say, for the F1 show, I feel like it was it was about getting the American audience or a sport that, like, Americans generally didn't know all that much about. And so I could see the, the cricket one mm-hmm. taking that similar tact. I'm also curious, do you know how yeah. long a typical cricket match is? Like, could it compete against think... baseball just by being shorter, you know? Uh, okay, so I... <laughs> I think cricket goes on forever. Yeah, T20 specifically <laughs> was, was invented in, like, 2004 or something as a, like, much faster version of, of the other crickets. But I still think it takes a while, but I don't know exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Apparently, according to Googling typical cricket match, um, the average match will generally last from 7.5 to 8 hours and be played in one still day. Still shorter nice. than the baseball The match game. is broken That's up into... That's Quidditch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a golf match, I guess. You kind of like check in every once in a while, like what's going on. Sure. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And there are only two innings. Each lasts for about three and a half hours. <laughs> T- all right, so I'm looking. T20 is more like two to three hours, apparently. Okay. Okay. So, okay. That's basically that that's that's why it's so popular good. now. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's just like a normal sporting event. Yeah. Yeah. Also, cricket may be number two in the world now in terms of people who watch it. But if if we keep sending Tom Brady to Germany, football's gonna you know gonna get there soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eventually. Keep, exactly. If we keep sending the Jags places, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. eventually <laughs> okay yeah. jared what's your show okay so first let me tell you why drive to surprise is successful just real quick just lay it out very glamorous so first it's like very glamorous locations obviously it's kind of helped that it's a european based sport but they, they're going to vegas this year they go to monaco uh they go to singapore like all those super glamorous locations there's one right it's backed by some of the biggest brands in the world ferrari mercedes Aston Martin, McLaren, Red Bull, who's not even a car company, but one of the biggest brands in the world, right? I think another thing, too, that's important is that it it lends itself well to being filmed. Like, we watch, like, fiction movies about, like, cars, like, you know, like, going around that are completely animated, and people still love that. So it's even more exciting to see, like, these... <laughs> no, I'm serious, but it's even more exciting to see just cars going... No, no, no I thought it was funny. Cool. I just wasn't thinking about... It's very visceral. Cars it's, like, coming very, into like, this, like the Pixar movie. Yeah, exactly. I agree, I agree. Like, it's, like, very, like... I don't know, vit- uh, visceral and like powerful, I guess. <laughs> I think the other thing that's really helpful about Formula One is that the schedule is very digestible. Like there's 22 to 23 events in a year instead of the 162 for baseball. Like it's super hard to get narratives out of that. Even the 82 for the NBA is kind of tiresome and a lot harder than the NFL, for example, to get narratives out of. And also another thing is it's not even really about the championship for like seven of the teams. They're just trying to get better, and they have their own little like driver rivalries and all that stuff. So that's what they did really well with uh, Drive to Survive and Formula One. I, so it's kind of like the pageantry, trying to find the narratives. I think surfing would be the sport I propose to take up this mantle. First benefit, Whoa. location, awesome, glo- really cool locations. They go to Brazil, they go to Portugal, they go to Australia, they go to California, Hawaii, like dream destinations that everybody mm-hmm. wants to go to and see, right? Um, you'll see a lot of beach bodies too. Like people want to see that sort of stuff too. <laughs> Benefit too. This one's like a little smaller, but they still do have a brand appeal in the way that there's like brands like Hurley, Volcom, like Vans and Red Bull are sort of involved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously not as big as Ferrari, but they still have that kind of brand recognition in there. I think the third benefit going to like the visceral nature nature is that it's very visual appealing to see a surfer go through a pipeline and, you know, and mm-hmm. come out the other side is amazing like very very awe-inspiring to see and lastly i think they're really good their schedule is very digestible and i think there could be a lot of really good narratives out of it 
they do 10 regular season events on the World Surf League Championship Tour. Then after the fifth event, they do a mid-season cut where if you're like in the bottom 12, you're done. You're get, you get out of there. So a big narrative is like you don't want to be a part of that cut. Otherwise, it's like kind of a stain on your career or whatever. So there's already that narrative there that's not even really involved in the championship. It's just like I just want to make the cut. They have the final after that. And it's also the top way to qualify for the Paris 2024 Olympic Games. So there's that narrative in there, too, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that Wyatt said, too, it's an individual sport. So it's going to lend itself well, I think, to like personalities, personal rivalries, myths, legends, that sort of stuff. And I feel like you're you're guaranteed to have interesting characters. If you're following surfers, there's got to be some interesting characters in there, I think. Yeah. So, and if you're pitching this to Netflix, by the way, you need to prove that there's a market, like Bart said, there's a huge market for cricket. Granted, the market for surfing is not as big, but they have more followers on Instagram than Major League Soccer, for example. So, there definitely is a market there. Um, (laughs) And if Netflix did want to get into live sport, Netflix, if you want to get into live sports eventually, go snatch up the rights for surfing right there. Um, That being said, while I was halfway through my research, I found out that this already exists. It's not on Netflix. It's on (laughs) Apple TV+. (laughs) And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But I still loved it, so I still put it in there. It's called... um, Shoot, did I, did I, I think it's called Make or Break. I didn't write it down, mm-hmm. but there's some on yeah. Apple TV plus, whatever it's called, Apple TV plus that there's a docuseries about them. So I will be checking that out. And if Netflix gets it, I will definitely be checking it out. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was a good pitch. You're welcome, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. That was a good pitch. <laughs> yeah. I also like the idea that the surfer, like surfing's an Olympic sport. So in Paris, they're going to be surfing. Like just on yeah, some, apparently. <laughs> I don't know how some wave work. pool. Yeah. Noted <laughs> surfing location. Where? It'll be like, it'll be like the in Winter Normandy, Olympics. The beaches of Normandy or something. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. the Winter Olympics where they like they would pull back and yep. there's like no snow anywhere else and they're in the middle yeah, of like exactly. a factory basically? <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. yeah. There's like a power plant right next door so and then you just kind of pull it back. <laughs> So it's going to be in Tahiti. Oh. Um, because uh, Tahiti is a French colony. What? Um, and so All right. they're, they're having everything there. Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. Good to know. Yeah, today I learned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, today I learned too. Five seconds ago I learned when I Googled it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to close oh. this out. Um, with one that's, again, vaguely similar to Lucas's. I feel like I've been kind of copying Lucas all day. Um, but I'm going with the minor leagues, <laughs> minor league baseball. Uh, there's already some, mm-hmm. like, pop culture interest, I feel like, in the minor leagues. You know, like, oh, Bull yeah. Durham, the movie, or The Rookie, or whatnot. Um, kind of the underdog story. Um, and it's, you know, also similar to that, like, to the um, second division English soccer stuff. Because there's such a big difference between being in the majors versus being in the minors. You know, minors make... Minor league players, minors, minors make up to $14,000 a year, um, but minor league players make that much a year. The major league minimum is $700,000, um, so there's wow. big drama between making and not making it, um, and it's a bit different from the soccer case in that it's not that the team is moving up or not moving up, it's per player, and so I feel like that individual aspect to it, you know, so fact, the fact that guys on the same team are sort of competing against each other to get called up could give it that kind of drive to survive element you know where the drivers within the same team are just super passive aggressive to each other all the time um (laughs) but you know and you also have an interesting mix of characters in the minors you know you've got your young top prospects who are fast tracked to the majors breaking all those unwritten rules 
uh, you got the guys who are 30 career minor leaguer who are extremely bitter and, you know, getting mad about all the unwritten rule breaking. Um, you got the protagonist who I'm picturing the unheralded prospect who has earned his way up, you know, a lunch pail guy, uh, who's yeah. taking the spot of someone who's, uh, picked much higher in the draft, that kind of thing. I can already see the shots of that player entering the ballpark at like 6am for a 7pm game. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, I'm ready Netflix to give you the, the shot sheet. Um, but you also kind of combine this with the ridiculousness of minor league baseball, like the team names, you got the yard goats and the the rumble ponies and the rubber ducks, um, and also just the like the promotions with minor league games, the things they have to like get people to do to come to the game. Like the Scranton mm-hmm. Rail Riders apparently had a had a promotion where five person teams try to finish a marathon right outside the stadium before the game finishes, um, <laughs> or one for the Charleston River Dogs where apparently a woman named Helen McGuckin reviewed the ballpark on google and gave it two stars saying just drove by um and the team then (laughs) the team then held a helen mcguckin night in her honor um and they found her she couldn't make it so they just hired an actress to be helen mcguckin at this random game for the night so you got some you could have some comedic elements in the show as well um and uh, yeah i think it could work yeah, I would love to see the episode where they like, okay, how are we how are we planning Helen McGuckin night? And then they're exactly. like, they, like we got to find someone who looks stuff. like Helen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it'd, exactly. it'd be like so a nationwide manhunt. Yeah, plan it around one person and they can't show up. They're trying to understand. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> no, that's funny. From what? So, so she was just driving by and she made a review of the stadium. She wrote she a review on in. Google. She was exactly. She just driving by, but apparently that's was funny. not impressed with what she saw. I had recently um, seen a post of like a food review that was similar. It's like, they're like, well, I didn't make it. I just don't like nuts. And then they just put like a one star. Same vibe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Same vibe. For Probably sure. same that person. Was, what was Could the name on that, Wyatt? Yeah. What was I the name? Double yeah. check. <laughs> and that will be our show for today. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you check us out on all our socials at lunchpailguys underscore. We are on Twitter instagram and tiktok make sure you also are downloading the episodes it really helps us out and we will see you all next week thanks for listening